it's Pastor Mike. Welcome to the podcast where I'm joined on a weekly basis by a guest who helps me dive deeper into last week's Sunday message. We break it into seven minute segments and toss it out to you thrice weekly. I hope you enjoy it. We call it ReChurch. All right, so we're going to pick up on the conversation that Adam and I started last podcast about how the Apostle Paul is pressing into the whole idea of how God is trying to establish his people into one people. He offhandedly mentions uh, about a dozen or two individuals, which is maybe not entirely unusual, but who he chooses to mention is groundbreaking, really. Here's Adam and I continuing. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think that is sort of that establishment, that language that Paul's talking, using in Romans 16 there, that seems to me to fit perfectly yeah. in that grand stream of what God is trying to do. Yeah. And I think what happens is natural for people to think about it really in very small terms in my own, which is important, my own relationship with Jesus, right? So you read the scriptures and you think, oh yeah, I'm established in Christ. I personally am established. And we forget that you're being established not only as a person in Christ, but along with all of the throng of those who have come before that are yet to come. You're part of this bigger story of God establishing people. Yeah, and I think that may be the, the, the multi-tiered beauty of it. If you think about how it is remarkable that Paul was established as a follower of Jesus because his story was heading in a very different direction. Right. right. But then you think about the you that he's using in Romans 16 and realize it's plural. Yeah. This letter's being read you know, out loud. And it's a group of 50 people gathered under a roof thinking about what does it mean to be faithful to the call of Jesus here in this city of Rome? Yeah. And he mentions these what seem like random people. And my first question is, how did he know them? A miracle, right? How did he know them? That's hard. I mean, some of it is through his missionary journeys. For instance, he mentions Priscilla and Aquila. Yeah. And there's even just the way he does that is actually worth our attention. He mentions Priscilla first. Yeah. Which is really against conventions in the ancient world. You always mention the male name first, but he mentions the female name first. Well, he's mentioning females at all, Yeah, right. which is, I don't know, a pretty significant number of those were actually. Yes. The majority. Is it majority? Well, yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah, I don't think people realize when you go out of your own context and go back into that context, he is way out there. Yeah. Yeah. So he meets Priscilla and Aquila in Corinth. And uh, they have been kicked out of Rome right. by the former emperor. And so, yeah, you're right to mention the females there. That's outside the box because in the context of Rome or maybe the, the, the Greek context as well, there was a very negative view of women. And here, Paul is having this letter delivered and uh, expounded upon by Phoebe. Right. Right. And then there's Junia listed as an apostle. Right. Which a female being named as an apostle was actually really uncomfortable for the early church. Yeah. One of them is a deacon. Yeah. Yeah. So there is, I, I think, just this really interesting contrast between the way Paul is speaking about women and the way that a, a Roman philosopher or a Greek right. philosopher yeah, would have. Yeah. It's completely out of alignment. It It is shocking to me how Paul was so 
extreme in his Judaism, so extreme in his religiosity, so extreme in the way he understood God, was able to make the radical shift that he did. It's it's miraculous. So even looking back at like Joel chapter two, which which I think is it Luke that recounts Joel. Well, yeah, Luke, Luke Acts. Luke Acts does. Luke and, yeah. Is it Acts 2? Oh, it's Acts 2. It's, right, yeah, and the, the same author. Right? So here comes Joel. Joel two, Joel says things that are really not fully understood yeah. until Jesus. And then it's repeated, and you realize, oh, the Spirit has no bias. It's right. like man, woman, Jew, Gentile, old, young. It doesn't matter. And Paul suddenly is just there. Yeah. It's shocking. Yeah, when you read his letters, you can almost feel the way that he's flipping back through the Torah and realizing how it all clicks mm-hmm. into place mm-hmm. and how he had been interpreting it or forcing it into a box that God didn't intend. Yeah. How God crazy him along. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. And then you think about the fact that they don't have, and this is very cliche, they don't have cell phones, they don't have internet. So how do they know all these people? How do right. they even connect? How does he love them? Yeah. He's, if he's been with them, it's been infrequent, occasional, at once, maybe in some cases. Yeah. And then you try to think about the makeup of those people, just reading the names, knowing where they're from. It's a really diverse group of people. Yeah. I think you could call it a miracle that they are uh, established, Yeah, that they know each other. And right. This letter is going, you know, across the Mediterranean Sea or across the Aegean yeah. at least. And the, the, the the fact that people are receiving it, they're like, oh yeah, I've heard of Paul. Like what? What? Yeah. Right. So yeah, they're established. I feel like he he has a purpose for writing those names in there for sure, and it seems more personal than anything else. Like he truly misses them, loves them, wants to connect with one, wants them to wants to commend them, and build them up for the for the family of God. At the same time, he's articulating a diversity that was unheard of. I think we're covering that and su- suggesting saying even directly, look, to be established doesn't have anything to do with where you're from, how you grew up, what any, it it is one thing. So this leads us to our next question. What does it mean to be established? This is what Paul is saying. He broke the mold. Like, I mean, he's talking particularly that like, it's like two people, Jews, non-Jews. So in here, Paul's saying, no, you're a non-Jew. You can be in God's family. You can be a part of this grand establishment of people. Yeah. This maybe the other way of talking about established rather than the grand story is the individual story, which you kind of mentioned earlier. And in this case, the individual has the pleasure, the 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 blessing, the the privilege to be rooted into the grand story of Jesus. And this sense of being rooted, like Paul talks about Jesus as a cornerstone. Yep. Which had been discarded by others, but is the is the one we build on, and that's another big theme. And so these people who are established, maybe individually, it's where Jesus has become the cornerstone of their life. They're they're rooted in the way of Jesus. And so maybe it makes it less surprising then that Paul is talking to a diverse group of people uh, and celebrating that because that is the way of Jesus. Right. You look at you know certain movements in the Gospels and you see this shocking way that Jesus is crossing over borders mm-hmm. and tearing down conventional walls. And yeah. Like <clears throat> I think of Luke seven and in Luke chapter seven, you see Jesus uh, uh, referring to a centurion 
as mm-hmm. a person of great faith. Right. You see him raising a widow's son to life, and the, the widow would have been very, very poor, and so right. this would have been a smaller right. cultural right. boundary. You see him receive a woman who's described as sinful into his presence right. and, and into his people. He yep. embraces her. And it's it's one after another. One after another, yeah. So um, to be established is to be accepted um, through the work of Christ into the family of God, mm-hmm. which I think for a lot of people is it is uh, as surprising maybe as it was for the Gentiles. I think people tend to look in a mirror and think, I don't deserve God. I don't deserve this love. I have a lot of shame or I don't have any real gifts. I don't have anything to contribute. I don't have any value. And here's Jesus saying, no, you're valuable because I'm choosing you right now. Yeah. Come along. Which I part think you, of it. I thought you did a beautiful job of talking about that on Sunday where you're talking about Mary and her magnificence. Yeah, yeah. And she realizes, I'm not chosen because I'm special. I'm special because I'm chosen. And that flip is really beautiful to think about how Jesus enters into a really pedestrian scenario, like a working class family that probably was pretty poor and uh, and elevates them into this glorious truth. You are, you are chosen by God and embraced and accepted. Yeah. No matter who you are. And then he goes on in his letters to the Corinthians to talk about the great value that every single person has with irrespective of what they happen to be bringing to the table. We tend to elevate certain people and certain yeah. gifts. And Paul's like, no, no. In Christ, every single person has purpose, value, and meaning to the whole. 